everybody. Happy Monday to you. First day of the working week. This is Bob Bro. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast for Monday. This is October the 5th, 2020. And on Mondays we have a comedy. Chester, good morning to you. How was your weekend? Oh, that's right. You went camping, didn't you? Did you have a good time? You got rained out on Saturday? I don't think it rained here. Well, maybe it did rain a bit on Saturday. How far away were you? Oh, you were up there. All right. Well, Chester got rained out. That's frustrating, isn't it? When you have a weekend like that planned, especially when you're going to be outdoors and that happens. Well, it's warm and uh, dry in here, so enjoy the show. We have a great comedy lined up. This is a comedy we haven't played before on the Best Old Time Radio Podcast, but we've played it a lot of times uh, in the past uh, 12 years or so since we've been doing uh, online shows. Uh, but it's it's one of the classic, classic uh, radio comedies, one of the most popular of all time. And we'll tell you about it in just a minute. But for now, it's time for you to get in that big easy chair, get your feet up, get something cold to drink, perhaps, or maybe a, a warm cup of coffee, and settle back. Let the cares of the day drift away, because we're going to amuse you with an old-time radio comedy in just a minute. Monday, Monday. Can't trust that day. Monday, Monday. It just turns out that way. Oh, Monday, Monday. If I had a year to sit here and talk about Fibber McGee and Molly, I could not cover all of the fabulous things about this show. Fibber McGee and Molly was on for years and years and years. It started in Chicago and then eventually moved out to the West Coast, and there's a whole lot of great stories there. It stars Jim and Marion Jordan, who were a vaudevillian couple. They played Fibber McGee and Molly. Molly originally was very Irish. Uh, she became more Americanized as the show developed. The show was written by Don Quinn, and he went on to do The Halls of Ivy after he left Fibber McGee and Molly, but it was such a great show, so well written, and so many great characters. Now, Fibber McGee and Molly each week would have a storyline, but the show was in many ways sort of an offshoot of vaudeville in that they would have these funny, interesting characters who were their, quote, neighbors, unquote, who would just pop in. <laughs> you, anytime you would hear the doorbell ring, you would hear uh, another one of their neighbors or friends or uh, the mailman or whoever it happened to be. A couple of the uh, characters that were on the show, well, the one that we're going to highlight tonight is uh, Bill Thompson. And he played Mr. Wimple in this, and he also plays the old-timer. And he was a fascinating character in the uh, world of voice radio and voice acting, voiceovers. And we'll talk a little bit about Bill Thompson at the end of the show. This one is um, from... 19, what was this? From 1948. I just had this here. Mm-mm-mm. It's from uh, October the, no, that's not right. This is October the 5th. It was from um, May the 25th, 1948. This was probably one of their last shows of the season. 
In fact, Molly uh, mentions in here something about Fred Waring, and she said the Johnson Wax Company must really like Fred Waring because they've given him a show all summer. So obviously, Fred Waring's show was going to replace Fibber McGee and Molly for the summer, which was very common back then. They would literally do nine months of shows and then take three months off during the summer. Tonight's episode, I don't think there's much you need to know. Molly develops a toothache. That's really all you need. So here we go. This is Fibber McGee and Molly, as originally broadcast on NBC, May 25th, 1948. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. The world is made up of two kinds of people, men and women. Here is one of each. Fibber McGee and Molly. So this guy says to me, okay, wise guy, he says, if you know so much about politics, he says, who's going to be elected president, he says. So I takes a deep breath, looks him square in the eye and says, kind of cool and collected, I says, well, who's running? <laughs> Well, he could see I had him there because by the time he named everybody that's running, it'd be way past supper time for both of us. And we'd, oh, am I boring you, kiddo? Not at all, dearie. I love to hear men talk politics. You do? Yes. They always seem so childish it brings out my motherly instincts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't feel too good, McGee. Huh? I have a slight toothache. A toothache? Mm-hmm. Well, my gee whiz, baby. You can't just sit around all evening and suffer with a toothache. You know, my policy, if a tooth starts bothering you, go to the dentist and have it yanked. Well, if that's your policy, dearie, it must have lapsed right after we were married. Well, what do you mean? Well, for a man who likes to sit down as much as you do, I've never seen anybody so frightened of an easy chair with a glass bowl on the arm of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my teeth are particularly sensitive. They are? Mm. Most people have a thick layer of enamel on their teeth. I was born with a thin coat of shellac. (laughs) Oh, well, this isn't enough of a toothache to make a fuss about. It's more just a little touch of neuralgia. Mm-hmm. It'll go away. Okay. Let's change the subject. Good idea, good idea. Get your mind off it. Yes. Let's talk about something else entirely. Good. How long you had this toothache? <laughs> oh, off and on all day. Hardly felt it most of the time, though. Oh? For a while this morning, I lost it entirely. I was listening to Fred Waring on the radio. Isn't he wonderful? You said it. My gosh, Snooky, we can't get Waring to play all day for you, you know. Well, the Johnson's Wax people did better than that. They got him to play all summer for them. Oh. <laughs> now, not a word to whoever this is about my toothache, McGee. I want to forget it. <laughs> it's a deal. Come in. Oh, it's Mr. Wimple, McGee. Hello, Mr. Wimple. Hi, Wimple, old man. Hello, folks. <laughs> well, how's everything with you these days, Mr. Wimple? Oh, just fine, Mrs. McGee. Just keen, if I may use a slang expression. (laughs) You know that sweetie face? Sweetie face? You mean... My big old wife, yes. (laughs) You know, sweetie face hasn't said a cross word to me for a solid week. Well, isn't that wonderful? Yes. She's been visiting her mother. (laughs) Oh, I see. My goodness, I hope you two haven't quarreled. Oh, no. I've heard of fellows whose wives get mad at them and go home to their mothers and stay there. But I guess I just don't know how to work it. Ah, uh, you know you'd miss her if she really left, Wimp. <laughs> Can't you ever be serious, Mr. McGee? Mr. Wimple, uh, what are your plans for the summer? Oh, we have the summer all mapped out. We've got enough money saved so that one of us can go to Honolulu... And the other can stay here and go to the movies twice a week. (laughs) I'll bet Sweetie Face takes the trip to Honolulu. Well, I must say, she's very fair about things like that, Mr. McGee. We draw straws for it. Oh, which uh, straw gets the trip to Honolulu? The long one or the short one? Whichever one Sweetie Face draws. (laughs) Well, personally, I'm glad to see summer coming, Wimp. I like summer, too. Picnics and long walks and wondering who has your umbrella. 
I like summer too. Did you ever hear my poem about summertime? I call it, It Was Not My Fault. How's it going? It was not my fault. When I was young and my heart was gay, I had a girl whose name was May. She loved to picnic on the grass amidst the trash and broken glass with hard-boiled eggs on which to choke and ants and thorns and poison oak. One day, May sat upon a bee and leaped up screaming names at me. So my summer finished there that day, right at the very end of May. Poem, or it wasn't that bad. No, but this tooth is. Oh, well, come on, Snooky. Let me take you down to the dentist. It's too late for office hours, but I'll call him up and have him meet us there. Oh, we can't do that. Why can't we? My gosh, I just paid him 42 bucks for fillings. That's quite an outlay for an inlay. <laughs> if I hadn't been an umpche, I'd uh, put up an Eve Bay. So don't feel you can't have him come. Oh, dear, it's Dr. Gamble. Oh, swell. He'll give you something for that tooth. No, He's no, just... no, no. Not a word to him. Please, Oh, now. but Molly, you it's gotta have... It's too trivial. Come in. Hello, Molly. Hello, Dr. Gamble. Nice to see you. Hello, gruesome. <laughs> Hi, butcher boy. How's your golf game? I haven't had time to play golf since August of 1940, and you know it. What made you think the doctor was playing golf, dearie? I heard a couple of other doctors talking about him. They said he was developing a bad slice. <laughs> That's professional jealousy, my boy. It is common knowledge in surgical circles that a gamble incision is short and to the point. On an appendectomy, for instance, par for the course is nine stitches. I do it in seven. Really, doctor? Seven stitches? Why, certainly he does. Have you ever seen his needlework? <laughs> My gosh, he must have studied sewing under Omar the tent maker. Now, McGee, don't talk like that to the good doctor. Well, I can't stand a guy that brags. Gee whiz, I may not be absolutely and completely perfect in every possible way myself, but if I got faults, at least I'll admit it. I'll face it. That I will say for you, my boy. Everyone at the Elks says that about you. Oh, yeah. they do, Doctor? That McGee is not afraid to face his faults? I think that's what they mean. They always refer to him as old faults face. Ah, <laughs> uh, they like me down there. Uh, look, Doctor, uh, if you don't play golf, how do you keep so fit? You must get some kind of exercise. Why shouldn't he be fit? He don't have to take those concoctions he dreams up himself. He just dishes them out. Ignoring the feeble jibe from little Big Mouth here, Molly... I usually manage to get out and play some softball on Saturday afternoons. That's so? Yes, in fact, I'd agreed to catch for the mortician's team this week, but I had to cancel it on account of the newspapers. Yeah? What have the papers got to do with it? They ran a picture of me yesterday with a caption that said, Local doctor agrees to play ball with the undertakers. <laughs> Say, I'd better go explain that to the medical board. Wow. So Billy Mills in the orchestra, and tell me a story.
That tooth give you any trouble since dinner, Molly? Oh, hardly any, dearie. I'm sure it's just a temporary little upset. Yeah. I'll put a hot water bottle on it if it gets any worse. Oh, that's no good. Why isn't it? I tried that. I had a terrible toothache once, and somebody told me to put a hot water bottle on it, and by the time I got the dad-dreaded thing in my mouth, I liked to strangle myself. <laughs> you put the hot water bottle in your mouth? Well, where else have I got teeth? I had to empty the water out of it to get it in my mouth, and then when I tried to fill it up again, it, I swelled up look, so much. Look, look. Huh? Can we change the subject? Okay. When we talk about it, it hurts, and... Come in. Oh, it's the old-timer, McGee. Hello, Mr. Old-timer. Hello there, kid. <laughs> Hi, old-timer. Hey, before you say anything, let's not talk about teeth, huh? Molly's got a toothache. We want to keep off the subject. That's absolutely right, Johnny. Let her forget it. Yeah. Only way to let her forget it is to get her mind off it. Right, so let's talk about... Yes, things. sir, daughter, if you sit around brooding about that awful throbbing pain that keeps going through you like electricity, mm. jangling your nerves like the bell on a hook and ladder, well, uh... stabbing at you like little hot needles, it'll hurt. <laughs> well, thank you. I remember when I was a kid, kids. We didn't have no dentists in them days, kids. No, sir. Papa used to take care of us kids' as toothaches himself. Your father? Yep. Had a very simple system, Papa did. Yeah? Whenever we'd get a toothache, he'd just tie a string to the tooth, tie the other end to a brick. brick. Got my upper plate stuck there, Johnny. <laughs> tie the other end to a brick, I reiterate, and heave the brick out the window. Oh, I see. I remember the last tooth he pulled from me that way. The mayor sued him for $50,000. <laughs> the mayor? My gosh, what business was it of his? Well, it was this way, Johnny. Papa tied the string to a tooth, see? Yeah. Sat me down in the living room, tied a brick to the string, took it upstairs, and flang it out the second-story window. My heavenly days, what happened? Well, the string yanked me halfway up the hall steps, jammed me into the turn at the landing, and broke. Wow. Brick hit the mayor, who happened to be passing, and knocked him into the gutter cold. Two ladies from the temperance club see him laying there in the gutter and call the police. Cops chucked the mayor of the pokey, and the ladies got up a petition to throw him out of the city hall, and when he come to and got his wind back, he sued Papa. <laughs> Papa got his wind back first, was over the border into Mexico, where he lived happily ever after, con mucho gusto. Adios, Mogi. <laughs> My goodness, I'm glad he's gone. The more he talked about toothaches, the more my toothaches. Now, let's forget it now, kiddo. I won't say another word about tea. Let's talk about the time I was in the seesaw business back in Sioux City for the... You in the seesaw business? I never told you about when I sold seesaws for the seesaw company that old man Seymour had in Sioux City. You never did. Well, baby, I will. You see, I was a senior seesaw salesman for the Seymour Seesaw Company, and I sold saws on the side. Oh? When I'd start out with a sample seesaw and a sack full of saws, I'd sell the other saw salesman silly, because I was as saucy a seesaw salesman as the other saw salesman ever saw. <laughs> Why, I could sell you a two-buck buck saw that would outsaw any buck saw you ever saw a young buck saw with, and for six bucks, I'd sell you a saw buck to saw with the buck saw on. I sold so many saws and seesaws that I got saw-sick from saw-sown and seasick from seesaw-sown. And between the saw-sown and the seesaws, the seasick seesaw sales, the saw-sick saw sales, the buck saws and hat saws. Hey, by the bell. Come in. Hello, folks. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Come in. Hi, Junior. Say, awfully sorry I'm late, kids, but I just came from a sales meeting. Well, now, you didn't have to rush over here all out of breath, Junior. We'd have made out some way, even if you didn't show up at all. Oh, I didn't want to disappoint you, pal. Disappoint us, he says. Ah, uh, gee, that was a great meeting we had tonight, what? kids. You see, our district manager always gives a short talk on some current events, some topic in the news. And tonight, he really picked a subject. Yeah, what do you talk on, Junior? Politics? European affairs? Or the love life of the anchovy? <laughs> no. No, he selected as his subject, Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. Oh, McGee, you sucker. Will you ever learn to keep your... Back? He started out by saying what pride most housewives take in the appearance of their kitchens. And how when they see their kitchen linoleum all covered with dirt mm. and mud, makes any good housekeeper just grit her teeth. Grit her teeth. Oh, 
And then he went on to say how tracked in dirt and dampness and spilled things can be a perfect pain in the neck. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we know, Junior. But Until, look, of I've... course, you discover how Johnson's self-polishing glow coat protects that linoleum against dirt and dampness yeah. and makes spilled things so easy to wipe up. Yeah, but what I'm... And because there's no rubbing or buffing with glow coat, yeah, you but... find that more housewives use glow coat than any other floor polish. Yeah, but... Because you can bet your back teeth, he oh, said. Oh, back teeth, oh. <laughs> yes, you can bet your back teeth that with the safe and simple protection glow coat gives your linoleum floor coverings you're going to save a lot of the wear and tear on your nerves that uncertainty about the appearance of your home that leaves a housewife's nerves raw at the end of the day oh <laughs> junior please look and Molly's... in conclusion in conclusion he pointed out one thing hey hey look waxy yes pal may i point out one thing in conclusion why sure pal what the door oh good night <laughs> You know, as much as I like that kid, sometimes he gets on my nerves a little. Nerves? Oh. Oh. (laughs) Hey, you didn't hardly open your mouth while Junior was here, Molly. You usually help me annoy him a little bit. Well, I was afraid if I did, I'd scream. Yeah? No use kidding myself any longer, dearie. This tooth is killing me. Oh, gee whiz, kiddo. I wish you'd let me took you to the dentist while he was still open. Look, you sit down here. I'll run upstairs and get some aspirin out of the medicine chest. I looked a while ago. We haven't any aspirin. Well, I'll call Kramer's drugstore. Uh Uh-oh. Kramer closes at 10 o'clock. What time is it? 11.30. Oh. Well, give me the phone. I'll call Kramer at home and have him run down there, open up, grab some aspirin, run over here with it. I tried that. There's no answer. Uh, I guess I'm stuck with it until morning, dear. Oh, no, you're not, baby. Leave everything to me. I'll get you some aspirin. Where? At Kramer's drugstore. It's closed. I'll open it. I can get in. Oh, no. Oh, yes. I'll sneak up the alley. I'll jimmy the door. Oh, no. I don't need aspirin. I feel better. Yes. I've, I'm going with you. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh. The King's Men and their recently recorded hit, Pecos Bill. No, Pecos Bill was quite a cowboy down in Texas. And a western superman, to say the least. He was the roughest, toughest critter, never known to be a quitter, cause he never had no fear for man or beast. So yippee-i-a-i-a, yippee-i-o, for the toughest critter west of the Alamo. Once a band of rustlers stole a herd of cattle. Wanted steak. But they didn't know the herd they stole was Bill. Big mistake. And when he caught them crooked villains, Pecos knocked out all their fillings. That's the reason why there's gold in them thar hills. So yippee-i-a-i-a, for the toughest critter west of the Alamo. Pecos lost his way. While traveling on the desert It was 90 miles across the burning sand He knew he'd never make the border If he didn't get some So he took a stick and dug the Rio Grande Toughest critter west of the Alamo. <laughs> While a tribe of painted Indians did a war dance, Pecos started shooting up their little game. He gave them engines such a shake-up that they jumped out from their makeup. That's the way the painted desert got its name. So yippee-i-a-i-o For the toughest critter west of the Alamo. So yippee-i-a-i-o Right up this alley, kiddo. This is an alley. To the back door now. Right up to the back door of the drugstore. McGee. Huh? I don't feel quite right about breaking into Mr. Kramer's drugstore. Uh, I was always taught that burglary was rude. Oh, my gosh. We tried to get Kramer on the phone, didn't we? 
Why don't he stick to business? Business? My goodness, it's after 12.30 midnight. Well, is that our fault? Let's be logical about this thing. Oh, here we are. Here we are. Hadn't Let's we ought see. to case the joint before we stick a shiv in the watchman and swag the hijack? Huh? <laughs> or hijack the heist? Uh, no. Or, oh. take, take it easy now. Take it easy, baby. First thing I got to do is disconnect the burglar alarm. If that thing ever starts clanging, we'll be up to our clavicles and harness bulls. <laughs> does it happen you know so much about disconnecting burglar alarms? <laughs> I sat right there on the top of that very trash can and watched the guy install it. <laughs> I told him at the time that any thief that couldn't get past that alarm with a bobby pin and a burnt match wasn't worth his... Uh-huh. There we are. Burglar alarm is off. Look on that nail to your left there, kiddo. Under the windowsill. That's it. That's where Kramer keeps his extra key. Here you are. Yeah. With the key so handy and the alarm so easy to shut off, I don't know why Mr. Creamer even bothers to close the door, much less lock it. <clears throat> well, if he didn't, the place would be full of flies in the morning. <laughs> there, there we are. Okay, Snooky. After you. Come on in. Mr. Creamer must have been expecting somebody to break in. He left a light on. Yeah, now, let me see. Where does he keep the aspirin tablets? <laughs> Make yourself an ice cream soda, kiddo. While I kind of snoop around Ice cream on this, too? Yeah. McGee, how can you even suggest such a thing? Oh, let's see here in this drawer. Razor blades, toothbrushes, soda mints, inner tubes, wearing blenders, glow coat, bicycle clips. Oh, oh. heavenly days, what's that? It's the burglar alarm. Come on, let's beat it. I thought you shut it off. I did. I told you that guy didn't know how to install a burglar alarm. Won't even stay turned off. Hey, we better scram. I ain't even found the aspirin yet, Mom. Never mind the aspirin. Let's take a powder. Yeah. McGee, I hear a siren. Oh, so do I. It's the police, McGee. It's the police. Let's get out of here. All right, here they are, Needham. Go watch the front door, Lewis. All right, you two, get them up and keep them up. Frisk them, Brorby. Uh, you lay a hand on me, you big lugan, and I'll take off me slipper and hammer your pointed little head full of French heel prints. <laughs> Give me back my pocketbook. Yeah, now look here, Buster. All three of you guys. I can explain this. A guy that's a friend of mine owns this drugstore, see? Oh, sure. And your wife had a toothache, and you just busted in to get a couple of aspirin tablets. Exactly. How on earth did you guess that, officer? Oh, brother, how corny can they get? All right, bring them along, Brorby. Hey, cut that off. Oh, you can't you push me like that. You can't take me to any place. You can't take me to jail. <laughs> it looks bad for you, McGee. We've called everybody you suggested. So far, we haven't found anybody home. I don't know what this country's coming to when a guy's friends can't stay home to answer the phone when he gets in a jam. Well, personally, I'm tired of the whole argument. Just show us to our rooms, officer. I'm sleepy. Doggone it, this is ridiculous. There must be somebody in Whistle Vista that knows me and will vouch for me. Both? <laughs> You'll have to admit this is a pretty silly story of yours, folks. If you only had some evidence that you were in... Here's somebody says he knows the drugstore burglars, Chief. We are not a drugstore burglar. We never stole a drugstore in our whole life. Oh, heavenly days, it's Mr. Williams, the weatherman, McGee. Foggy, old man, pal. Hi, friend. Look, here's what happened, Foggy. Molly had a toothache, see? Uh, Yes, yes, I heard all about it, McGee. Oh? Chief... I'll take the responsibility for these people's release. You mean this fellow's an honest, decent, law-abiding citizen, Mr. Williams? Am I under oath? (laughs) No. Then, yes, he is. Uh, May we go now, officer? Please do. Thanks, bud, and if we never see you again, we can wait. Likewise, citizen. We appreciate this, Mr. Williams. My goodness, McGee had them call Dr. Gamble, Mr. Kramer, Mr. Wilcox, and everybody. Oh, it's quite all right, Mrs. McGee. I had just got to bed, although I was not yet asleep. I had been studying quite late. Studying? Yes. Hmm. Yes, I'm doing some research on the basic causes of typhoons, hurricanes, and tornadoes. And... I think I've found the answer. Heavenly days, Mr. Williams. That's marvelous. You'll be famous. You mean you've discovered the causes for tornadoes, typhoons, and hurricanes? I think so, yes. Oh? What is it? Wind. (laughs) 
but uh, I'll ask you to keep the information confidential until I check into it a little further. Just ordinary wind. Hmm. Can I drop you someplace? No, thanks, Foggy. They brought our car along to the station and wanted to check the trunk compartment for hot merchandise and dead bodies. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, kid. Not at all. A good night. Probably. Good night, Mr. Williams. <laughs> Thank goodness that's over. Yeah, well, here's the car. Get into it. How's the toothache now? Well, it's all gone. Lost in the excitement, I guess. Uh, I knew I could cure it one way or another. Well, you certainly... McGee, you turned the wrong way. No, I didn't. Kramer's Drugstore is on Oak Street at 14th. But why Kramer's Drugstore? My toothache is gone. I don't need any aspirin. Well, I do. I got a headache. <laughs> Keep an eye out for the cops, kiddo. I want to go get... Well, dearie, I'm glad they had a policeman posted at the back door of the drugstore when you went back. Me too. It took both of us to figure out how to shut off that burglar alarm. Both of you? Yeah. You mean the policeman helped you get back in there? Sure. But why? He had an earache. <laughs> Wanted me to get him a couple aspirin tablets. Have one? Yes, thank you. A pleasure. Take two, they're small. Good night. Good night, all. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products, Racine, Wisconsin, bring you Fibber McGee and Molly each week at this time. Be with us again next Tuesday night, won't you? Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Okay, from May 25th, 1948, that was Fibber McGee and Molly. Molly's toothache, as heard on the NBC radio network. Pretty good show. Did you notice in there when Molly was complaining about the pain, she mentioned she, she was suffering from neuralgia? You know, that's a word you used to hear a lot in the 50s in ads for pain relievers. And neuralgia, I guess, ends up meaning just uh, pain caused by a, a damaged nerve that could happen any place in the body. But you never hear that term anymore, do you? They used to talk about neuritis and neuralgia. Anison used to talk about neuritis and neuralgia. Maybe, maybe bufferin too, or maybe bare aspirin. But you just don't hear about those things anymore, and I don't know why. I'm really not sure why. I was going to mention that uh, in this um, episode tonight, uh, Gail Gordon appeared as uh, Foggy Williams, the weatherman. And you might think if you're a fan of Fibber McGee and Molly, you might wonder, well, didn't he play Marilyn Trivia? And how could he Marilyn Trivia be Foggy the weatherman? Well, of course, you're not supposed to think they're the same person, but his voice is so distinctive. But Marilyn Trivia was originally intended as a lighthearted send-up of the mayor of New York City, Fiorello LaGuardia. Well, when Mayor LaGuardia died, Don Quinn, the, the producer of the show, decided to leave La Trivia off the show. And he, he didn't appear on the show for almost a year, but they didn't want to lose Gail Gordon, so he stayed on as Foggy Williams, the local weatherman, an easy foil for Fibber who would often borrow his tools and blame Foggy whenever there was bad weather. Okay, I want to talk just a little bit about Bill Thompson. Now, Bill Thompson was heard tonight both as the old-timer and as Mr. Wimple. And Bill Thompson was originally from Chicago. His parents, I believe, were in vaudeville, too. Uh, the reason I say, too, Gil Gordon's parents were in vaudeville. A lot of these people in the early days of radio came from vaudeville or from vaudevillian families. Well, Thompson was one of the earliest voices to join Fibber, McGee, and Molly. He was also one of the most versatile. In 1936, he moved to the show from Don McNeil's Breakfast Club, where Jim Jordan and Marion Jordan had also appeared from time to time. Well, during the 1934-1935 season of the Breakfast Club, Thompson developed the character of Mr. Wimple. And when he first moved to Fibber, McGee, and Molly, he was called upon to play the old-timer, who was a hard-of-hearing senior citizen who some say was modeled after Gabby Hayes. I guess if that's true, that's true, but he never struck me as Gabby Hayes. 
The old timer would often bring Fibber back to earth with his catchphrase, that ain't the way I heard it, Sonny. Using a broad uh, W.C. Fields imitation, Thompson also played a boisterous con man. Originally, he was named Whittacom Blotto on the show, but later they changed his name to Horatio K. Boomer. And Boomer was indeed a uh, flim-flam man who had his designs on the fortune of Mrs. Abigail Uppington. He also played Nick Depopolis, the owner of a local Greek restaurant, but he's best remembered for his Wallace Wimple character. Meek Mr. Wimple, who suffered spousal abuse at the hand of his, as he called her, his big old wife, Sweetie Face. She was often mentioned on the show, but she was never heard. Audiences would roll with laughter when Mr. Wimple was introduced with his common salutation and his mild voice, Hello, folks. Thompson uh, went on to play in a number of cartoons and animated features. He played Droopy in the uh, Droopy cartoons. You remember Droopy the Basset Hound? Hello, all you happy people. You know what? I'm the hero. He also played the White Rabbit and the Dodo in Walt Disney's Alice in Wonderland. Rabbit with a waistcoat and a watch. Oh, my fairy whiskers. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Now, this is curious. What could a rabbit possibly be late for? Please, sir. I'm late, I'm late for a very important date. No time to say hello, goodbye. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. In Walt Disney's Peter Pan, he played Mr. Smee, the uh, assistant to Captain Hook. Well, Captain, it's nice to see you smiling again. <laughs> Brings back the good old days when we was leading an healthy, normal life. Scuttling ships, cutting throats, oh, Captain, why don't we put the sea again? You know. And in Lady and the Tramp, my all-time favorite animated movie, I do believe, he played five roles. He played Jock, remember the little Scotty that lived next door to Lady? Oh, Jock, notice anything different? Yeah. You've had a bath? No, not that. You've had your nails clipped? Mm-mm. Guess again. Why, Lassie, a bunny new collar. Do you like it? Aye. Mmm, it must be very expensive. Have you shown it to Trusty yet? No. Ah, oh, we'd best go at once. <laughs> you know how sensitive he is about these things. He also played in The Pound, the uh, big bulldog named Bull, who had a Cockney accent. Oh, well, a short life and a merry one. <laughs> yeah, that's what the tramp always says. The tramp. He played the little German dachshund that was always trying to dig his way out. And he also played one of the Italians, uh, the Italian cook, that uh, served up the famous spaghetti and meatballs to Lady in the Tramp. Well, what do you know? It's a butch. Okay, Tony. Okay. Bones are coming up. Well, a son of a gun. He's got a cockerel, a Spanish girl. He was also the first to give voice to Scrooge McDuck in a theatrical cartoon entitled Scrooge McDuck and Money, and I do not remember that. Scrooge? <laughs> Just tying up a bit, <laughs> keeping things neat. Now, what can I do for you laddies? Pull up a column and have a seat. Look at all the money we've earned, Unc. Ah, that's what I like to see. He also played uh, the voice of Touche Turtle, who I'm not all that familiar with. Good heavens, I believe he's going to jump. But not while Touche Turtle is here. Touche, away! Don't get panicky. Touche is here. Really, that's just a smattering of the voices you you may remember from when, when you were a kid, if you're a baby boomer. Really an amazing, an amazing talent. Uh, he died young. He was only 58 years old when Bill Thompson died. But what a, what a great voice character uh, he was and uh, what a resume he had. Bill Thompson played both Mr. Wimple and the old-timer on Fibber McGee and Molly.
Well, that's going to kick things in the head for Monday, October the 5th, 2020. Hope you enjoyed the show today. We, we will be back tomorrow with a uh, drama. Tuesday is drama. We'll be back on Wednesday with a mystery and back on Thursday with a Western. You know, last week we were playing some songs by Mac Davis because sadly he died last week. Well, I just found out this weekend that Helen Reddy died last week, too. And she was another uh, great sound, great voice from the uh, late 60s and through the 70s. And so I thought tonight we'd go out with a couple of songs from Helen Reddy. She really, really was, uh, was talented. Good singer. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I'm so glad you met me.
tell me again, Mommy. You and me against the world Sometimes it feels like you and me against the world When all the others turn their backs and walk away You can count on me to stay Remember when the circus came to town And you were frightened by the climb Wasn't it nice to be around Someone that you knew Someone who was big and strong And looking out for you And me against the world Sometimes it feels like You and me against the world For all the times we've cried I always felt that God was on our side And when one of us is gone And one of us is left to carry on Then remembering will have to do Our memories alone will get us through Think about the days of me and you You and me against the world Stronger, not a novice. Age. 